to dive right into the message tonight. Um, so I want you to lean in with me. Uh, we're closing out our Heroes uh, series. And uh, so this is our final, uh, final message in the Heroes series. If you haven't been able to catch all those, I recommend you to go back and uh, watch those online or you can listen to the podcast as well. The last two weeks, uh, we have been studying the life of Jacob and his experiences uh, with and encounters with God. And uh, as I read to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, Genesis 28, Jacob experienced God. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. The first time that, that Jacob had this, this time with God, we, we talked about the fact that it was an experience. Remember, he had a dream, and he saw a ladder come down from heaven, and the angels were ascending and descending, and, and God stood at the top of the ladder, and he, he gave Jacob the promise uh, that he, he was going to watch after him for the rest of his life. And then Genesis 32, last week we talked about the fact that Jacob encountered God. So he had an experience with God, but then he actually encountered God. And if you remember last week, we talked about he wrestled with God. And, and, and after he was done, his, his name was changed. His walk was changed because of an encounter with God. And now for step number three, where Jacob is about to have another meeting with God. Genesis 35 and 1 says this. It's there in your handouts. It says, Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Get ready, move to Bethel, and settle there. We all need experiences with God, but we can't just stay at an experience. We all need encounters with God, but we can't just stay at encounters. Or I can tell you as a pastor, I know people that just go from one encounter to the next encounter. It's all about finding an encounter with God. But God told Jacob, I want you to go to back to Bethel three, one more time. This is going to be your third time being here, being there, but this time is not going to be an experience. It's not going to be an encounter. It's going to be an inhabitation. I want you to go there, and I want you to put down roots. I want you to raise a family. I want this to be your home. So we've talked about having an experience with God. We've talked about having an encounter with God. But tonight, I want to talk about having an inhabitation with God. God has always been after a dwelling place with men and women. He wants this. This is something that his, his, heart, his heart aches for. It longs for. This is why he created man and woman in the first place. Because he wanted somebody that would love him of their own free will. And so what did he do? He created Eden. Eden, this beautiful place that we call paradise. And then you find that he, he creates a tabernacle. Why? So he can dwell with his people. Then there's the promised land, so he can dwell with his people. There's Jerusalem. There's Zion. There's the temple. And if you ever studied Zion, Zion is always on a hill. It's, it's, at, the, it's at the top. And the reason that God did that is so everybody could always look and see Zion. You see, God wants his people to be focused on his house. God wants a place. Why does God want a place? Think about that. He's, he's omnipresent. Matter of fact, God, God kind of jokingly in the scripture will say, oh, you're going to build me a house. Really? I am God. Good luck with you building me a house. However, he said, I want 
a place. Why does God want a place when he is invisible, when he is omnipotent and, and omniscient and omnipresent? Here's why. God wants a place because that means that place is dedicated to him. That's his place. This is what Eden was all about. Eden was beautiful for Adam and Eve, but it wasn't really about Adam and Eve. It was about that God could come and go as he pleased. You've heard me talk about many times that, that God would come and walk with Adam in the cool of the garden. Can you imagine what those conversations must have been like as God shared with Adam what his plans were for him, and Adam shared with God what he had been doing that day. And, but that was what it was about. It was about God having a place where he could be comfortable there. It's not really about the place. It's about a place where God can be God. This is why Jesus was so angry when he shows up at the temple. Remember the story? He comes in and they're, they're buying and selling and they're, they're charging people to pray and they're telling people who can pray and who can't pray. And the Bible says Jesus took a rope and started braiding it up, made a whip out of it, and just started beating the mess out of people and throwing, throwing chairs over and, and opening cages and doves are flying everywhere. It doesn't really sound like the Jesus that we talk a lot about. Why did he act this way? Because when he walked into his house, he did not feel comfortable there. He didn't feel like it was his house anymore. If you ever want to do a good and sobering study, I'm going to give you a little homework. Good sobering study is why God allowed his temple to be destroyed. There were several times that God took his hands off and he allowed the temple to be destroyed. Do a study on that. And here's the reason is when people forgot the purpose of God's house and they did not allow God to be God in his house. You see, the house of God is not about the house of God. It's about the God of the house of God. That's what it's about. This building, I mean, this is going to be incredible. Over 30,000 square feet of, of a, a, a space. And we're going to be so excited to call this our, our permanent home. But it's not about the hills having a home. This is about God having a place that he knows is dedicated to him. Come on, can I get a good hallelujah honk from somebody right now? Amen. Remember after each engagement with God, in this place called Bethel, that Jacob renamed it. Remember that? Those have been with us the last three weeks. Jacob renamed it every time. Remember the first time he was there, it was called Luz, and he has this experience with God, and he changed it to Bethel, which means the house of God. The next encounter was wrestling with God, and, and this time he changed it to, from Bethel to Peniel, which means the face of God. But now God tells Jacob to dwell there. And watch what Jacob did. Verse 7, it's in your handout. And Jacob built an altar there. And by building an altar, he was dedicating this place to God. And he named the place El Bethel, which means the God of Bethel. Or the God of the house of God. Because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Saul. So, so Esau, so, so Jacob builds an altar. And by doing this, he's saying, God, this is your house. And then he changes the name to the God of the house of God. Let me just tell you that Kristen and I, as pastors of the hills, it is our heartbeat that each individual would come face to face with the God of the house of God. It is not about just good music and good messages and us being around friends. This is about the heartbeat 
is that every single one of you, look at me, look, can you see me? Look at me. That every single one of you would come face to face with the God of the house of God. Not just show up to church, but come face to face, have an encounter, have an experience, but then dwell with him. It's our heart that you would make your heart God's home. You know, that's what it's really all about. He loves, that, he loves the fact that we bought an old movie theater and that we're in, in reconstruction. And he, God loves the fact that, that we're going to dedicate this property to him. But the house he really wants is you. The house he really wants is your heart. Right where you are. Even how you are. I know you don't, you don't feel holy enough to be the house of God. But that's the whole point. When God comes into your house, he makes it holy. You don't have to be good enough to be a house of God. That's what his blood does. His grace does. He wants to live in you. He wants to dwell with you. And he wants you to dwell with him. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that we are the temple of God or the house of God. Jesus said in, in John 15 and 4, listen to this, that we are to abide in him and then he would abide in us. In other words, we live in him and he will live in us. How many like to know how to do this? How do I how do I go beyond an encounter and have an inhabitation? Just raise your hand. I'm gonna see some hands coming out of some windows over here. How many want all right, good. I think I got most of you. The guy in the truck didn't raise his hand, but that's all right. Come on. <laughs> he did. Did he raise his hand? Okay, good. <laughs> how do I have an inhabitation? Write it down. Number one. Make God's house a priority. Make God's house a priority. Whether that's online, for those of you that are watching, or whether that's a drive-up gathering, and we made the announcement this week, we're going to keep doing this for the foreseeable future. Look, we want to be back in person. I, I want to be back in person as much as, as anybody. But this is pretty fun. Wouldn't you agree? This is pretty fun. And we started thinking about going back to the Knoll Center and, and everybody masked and social distancing. And it just didn't feel like us. This feels like us right now. But I want to encourage you. I, I want to encourage you that if the Hills is your home, make church attendance a big deal. Make it a big deal. We're, going, we're doing everything we can to make it fun, to make it inviting. But I want to encourage you to, to make Weekend gatherings, a big deal. Make God's house a priority. Listen, Psalms 22 and 3 says this, that God inhabits the praise of his people. So when we gather together and we sing and we lift up the name of the Lord, he comes and he dwells there. It becomes an inhabitation or he is enthroned on the praises of his people. This is not about us just getting here and having good food and seeing one another. This is about making this parking lot the house of God. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, if you call the hills your home, this is how we're going to be doing church for the foreseeable future. So I want to encourage you to make a commitment. Make a commitment. I'm going to be there every time I can be. And I want to encourage you to start inviting people. We've had all, a whole bunch of people that said, I've invited friends that would never go with me to church, but they'll come to a drive-up like this, and they'll, they'll go eat, and, they'll, and this is going to get more fun and more fun. We're going to have activities for the kids, and it's just, I'm really excited about it. But I want to encourage you to make a commitment to the God's house. So make his house a priority. Number two, make his people a priority. 
Make his people. How do I, how do I become a, a, a home for God? Make his people a priority. The scripture tells us that where two or three are gathered, he is there in their midst. So when two or three believers come together in his name, guess who shows up? Our heavenly father shows up with them. That's why we encourage you as we're going to be kicking Hills groups off again very soon. I want to encourage you to make a commitment to being a part of Hills groups. Be a part of a Hills team. The folks that are here serving and hosting and greeting, make God's people a priority. And then finally, make his presence a priority. Make the presence of God a priority in your life. You ever heard people say something about Man, we were in his presence. You ever hear, feel that? That Man, I felt the presence of the Lord. There's something about being in his presence, dwelling in him, and him dwelling with us. And this is a daily thing. You don't have to wait to drive up service to experience the presence of God. All you've got to do is acknowledge him. All you've got to do is take some time aside, change the channel, mess up your set list, do what you've got to do to give God some time in your life and experience his presence. If you'll do this, he's going to make you his home. In closing, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's a little nugget scripture that I found years ago, and I just love it because it tells what God does when he makes something his home. When God says to you, I'm going to live in you. When you invite, when you invite him to come live in your heart, there's something that God does. He says this, you're special. You're set apart. You're now sanctified. You're holy is what you are. And look at what the scripture tells us in Ezekiel 43 and 12. God had given Ezekiel the entire layout for the temple, what it was supposed to look like. And look what he follows it up with. And this is the law of the temple. Everybody say the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on top of the mountain will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. In other words, when God declares something holy, that is not the only thing that's holy. Everything surrounding it becomes holy. So Bellevue, get ready to be blessed because God's house is going to be right here. But it also is you, if you're the temple of God, if you and I are the inhabitation of God, that means that everywhere we go, that place becomes holy ground. It becomes blessed because we are there. Your neighborhood is blessed because you're there. Your job is blessed because you're there. Your school is blessed because you're there. Your family is blessed because you're there. Because wherever you go, that's where God's house is going. Come on, how many receive this word this evening? Do you receive it? I want to give you an invitation to invite Jesus into your heart. Maybe your first time here with us. You just came for the ice cream. But I want to give you an encouragement today. Why don't you invite Jesus into your heart, into your life, into your soul, into your spirit? You talk about life change. Your passions begin to shift. Your heart is made new by just inviting him in. And it's a very simple thing that you do. You just simply say, in my heart, I believe that you are the Lord, and with my mouth, I confess that you are the Lord. How about those of you today that maybe you're a follower of Jesus, or you've attended church, but you've never really made everything you have his? 
There's a big difference, amen? Big difference in giving him everything you have. What about your, your, your material home? Have you given your home to him? Have you given your cars, your children, your family? Have you handed it all over to him? Because you know that's what making him Lord of your life means, right? He is Lord of your life. And I will tell you, if he's not Lord over everything, he's not Lord over anything. Because he does not accept second best. So I want to encourage you today. Would you give him your life? Would you ask him into your heart? I feel the Holy Spirit right now. God is moving on people. God is moving on people. I want to pray a prayer. And if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus, either for the first time or maybe a rededication, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Would you just raise your hand up high and just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your glory. And thank you that I get to be a part of it. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins of my unbelief cleanse me today I am yours I'm never going back I don't want to live life on my own I need you with everything that I have you are my Lord in Jesus name amen amen Come on, Hills family. Would you just celebrate the folks that prayed this prayer today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.